Good morning, everyone, and those joining us online at home, welcome. Uh, if you're new with us, especially, welcome this Advent season. My name's Timothy, uh, and I'm one of the pastoral workers here at St. Mary's, and I'm so glad that you could join us as we celebrate the first week of Advent. Uh, for those of you who don't know, this is the season of our church, in our church calendar, where we prepare ourselves to celebrate Christmas, because we know that on Christmas, God showed us how much he loves us by sending his son to come to earth to be born as a human, joining with us so that he could bear in himself our sin and shame by dying on the cross. All who believe in Christ are united with him so that our sins are united with his death. And Jesus didn't stay dead. The good news is that three days later, he rose from the grave and those who believe with him are united in resurrection life. And three days after he rose from the dead in resurrection life, he went to heaven and he will come back again. So just as Christmas is about Christ coming into our world 2,000 years ago to bring about the much-awaited salvation of God, we likewise today begin Advent by reminding ourselves of his much-awaited return. Come, let us pray. Father, we thank you that just as you have sent Christ into our world, and the fulfillment of promises given thousands of years before that, we also thank you for the promises you have given us, and even as we anticipate and we wait for Christ's return. Help us, Lord, to be waiting. Help us, Lord, to be waiting with anticipation and to be, uh, and, and to be uh, listening to your voice and obeying you rightly. We pray in us all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I'll be mainly preaching from Romans 13 that we've just read, the five verses that we've just read, um, but it will be about all the verses that we've, we've co covered as well. Now, uh, Paul, as we said, as just read in the Gospels, no one knows the day or the hour. But we are also called, so just because we don't know, does not give us an excuse for ignorance, because Paul will tell us, Paul will call us to be ready in verse 11, he says, you know the time, the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. Now, what are you talking about, Paul? You wrote those words 2,000 years ago. What do you mean the hour has come? Isn't it? But the next sentence is just as true as it was uh, in the days of Paul because he says, salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Every day that passes is a day nearer that brings us to the coming of Christ. So let us hope rightly. Now, as we look at this whole passage, I'll just summarize it by saying that Paul describes the coming of Christ with two things, night and day. First, night describes the world, the world we live in, all that is in it. And here he describes it as works of darkness, uh, orgies, drunkenness, sexual immorality, sensuality, quarreling, jealousy. Now, maybe that's not describing those in this room here, maybe not even those online, but it does describe the world of Paul's day of Rome that he was writing to the book of, uh, in the book of Romans to Rome. And I would argue it very much describes the world today as well, a world of sensuality, of desires, of the flesh, Look out there, people live for themselves to fulfill com creature comforts, 
to work for uh, security, for, for, for financial freedom, early retirement. Coming out of the pandemic, people are traveling once again, enjoying the sights. Now, all these things are not bad things, okay? but they're not ultimate things because they belong to the night. And Paul reminds us, night will end and day will come. And what does Paul describe as the day? That you wake up from sleep. That day is the day of the Lord. Salvation, the age to come. Put on the armor of light. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That Christ, in his coming and his resurrection, brought in a new age. An age of the people of God, of God's kingdom. Now, we don't see God's kingdom fully uh, experienced or fleshed out. You look on the world today, Jesus is not king of the world today. But he will come again to bring about his rule. And that's the main point, that Jesus will come again. And how should we be living in that? So in your outlines, you see the main idea for us today is that believers should live for the day that Christ comes and not for this world of night. To illustrate that, let me just paint a picture for us. So even as people are, are going on planes and flying everywhere again, I personally have not been in a plane since before the pandemic, uh, but just imagine with me, if you will. Suppose you're on the longest non-stop flight in the world, 18 and a half hours or plus more, perhaps, from Singapore to New York, okay? And you're sitting on this long flight, 18 hours, what could you do? How many movies is that? You can, you can have a good eight hours night's sleep and then have changed for like, you know, four or five more movies. That's a long flight. So you look around and you see the, the person sitting next to you across the aisle. And they're not sitting in a regular chair. No, 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 no. They're sitting in a full deck, fully decked out, I don't know, Osim Ogawa massage chair. How do they fit that on the plane? You wonder. And, and not only on a, on a massage chair, but they've bought out the seats next to them and they fitted in like a, a 40, 50 inch flat screen TV in front of them. And you just stare because this is so strange. Of course, this is fictional. Just imagine with me, right? You see this person like this and you talk with them, right? It's 18 hours, of course, you can have some conversation and you find out that this person uh, has spent their entire life's savings to put their massage chair and that TV on that flight. Now, if that was true, what would you say to this person? Maybe you just politely smile and nod and think in your head, maybe this person is crazy. Let me not, not engage with this person, right? He's not in his right mind. But if you were really to engage this person, what would you say? You do know that this plane is going to land, right? You do know that once we reach New York, we get off the plane, and you can't take any of the massage chair or the TV with you, right? Because it's so foolish to invest so immensely into comforts that will not last, however long the duration may be, and especially on something that becomes essentially worthless once the plane lands and you depart. Now, this is a bit on the nose. You can see where I'm going with this, isn't it? Because I could turn around the same thing to say to us, living in this world right now, for whatever duration that we're on this earth, that living for this earth as if the day will never come, as if we will never need to give an account to our Lord on that day, is foolishness. To live for the comforts of this life, 
financial freedom, early retirement, whatever it may be, is short-sighted because we take none of these things with us beyond our death. So let us not be short-sighted. Let us not be toiling. There's nothing wrong with massage chairs. There's nothing wrong with flat-screen TVs, right? It is the amount of investment that went into it that is the problem. So there's nothing wrong with providing for your family. In fact, do provide for your family. There's nothing wrong with working out your vocation or earning a living. There's nothing wrong with those things. But do not invest too heavily in those things because we don't live for the night. We live for the day. So to help us, um, what should we be doing to live for the day? I have four E's for us. Okay, four E's. That's in the outline. First, we expect the night to end. Now, there's, of course, uh, in the past, uh, at the turn of the millennium, there's so many doomsday prophets that can predict, say that, aha, the world will end on this date, on this year. Whereas we've just read in the gospel, no one knows the hour when Christ will come, isn't it? And what do these people do? They, they sell everything they have and wait. That's not what we're called to do, brothers and sisters. If we expect the night to come, we are expected to be faithful because no one knows when. But instead, we be faithful in what we're doing. We keep doing what we're doing. But we do not invest ourselves fully into this world. God has given us resources, our time, our money, our, our priorities, our possessions. All were given to us. But they're not ours. We're stewards. And we're called to invest in them. Our time, our strength, our energy, our attention, they are given to us to invest in but not to be invested short-sightedly, isn't it? So, once I had a, a conversation with a long childhood friend, like never got in contact with for 20 years. Wow, got in touch. Wow, let's catch up. Sat down and you know the next words. I'm now selling public mutual. I'm selling, selling mutual trust. Should I have mentioned name? But yeah, I'm selling mutual trust. I'm selling this investment plan. Have you planned for the future? Oh. And they will say, don't think for three years. Have you thought about your child's education? Think for the next 30 years, beyond your retirement, 10 years beyond your retirement. They will say this to you, to, be, to invest wisely. But today I say to you, don't invest for 30 years. Invest for 30,000 or beyond. Because those of us who believe in Christ, we will see our 30th thousandth year in new heaven and new earth. We invest but not for this life, because that's too short-sighted. We invest for the life to come. We expect him to return. One last thing on this point is that Philippians 1.21 will say that to live is Christ, to die is gain. And to me, that means that death, when we apply it, okay, is that death would take away everything from this life. If you lived for your career, death take that away. If you live for money, you can't take it with you. If you lived for your family and loved ones, as precious as they are, death is a goodbye. It will take it away. But of course, for Christians, it's not taken away forever. But then, the one thing death cannot take away, but in fact give you more of, is Christ. Because at death, we get more of Christ. So we expect the night to end by living for the day of Christ. 
So we live wisely. Let's expect. The next one is evangelize. Because there's people out there who live for the night and they don't know that the night will end. There's people out there chasing money, career, thinking that these things will make them happy, that will solve their problems, their inner problems between God. No, it won't. That even if you get all the money in the world and all the career prospects in the world, you become a CEO of a multi-trillion dollar company, I don't know. But it doesn't solve your problem with God. When the day comes, they will be ashamed. And we need to be telling them, telling them, like that fictional person across the aisle on the plane. We need to tell them, wake up to the reality that you will land. Maybe it's too late for that person. He's already spent his life savings on that massage chair and TV. But he needs to be awake to, to, fact, to, to, be awake to the fact that it's going to land and there's going to be something after that, isn't it? Likewise, we need to be telling people, wake up. This life is not worth living for in the sense of being, being, making it your ultimate thing because it won't save you when the day comes. Christmas is around the corner. We have evangelistic services. We have nine lessons and carols next week. All these things planned. Who can we be inviting? Who can we be bringing that needs to hear this? We need to evangelize, tell the good news. Because the world is living in the night. But because the world is in the night, there's a third E. Believers, we also need to endure through the night. Because the world out there has rejected the light. We read in John 3, 19 to 20, that the light, Jesus, the light came into the world, but people love the darkness rather than the light. Killed him. We're living in the midst of a world that has rejected God. So don't think that we will end up having a good time of it. Because we, we should not, the children of God should not look like children of the world. So as we stand up, as we seek opportunities, as we disagree with the world, we cannot be in a comfortable bubble and hide forever. We will have to say the hard words, Jesus Christ is the only way to God. You can be saved in no other way. That the things that you're chasing in finance and in career, it will not save you. It's meaningless and they won't like to hear that. That when we stand on biblical truth and what it means that although sex is a good gift of God in marriage, that the world has taken and run with it. Even in this verse, we see that, the, that they've taken it to orgies and debaucheries and sexual immorality, that the, that the world will not agree with what the Bible and what God has to say about the thing essential as sex. And when we stand apart from them, they won't like it. Christian, endure, don't give up. Or even the comforts of the life, of, of the care and the worries of life, like the thorns in the soil, we choke out the word. We need to endure. Last but not least, we need to encourage one another to live for the day because such endurance is too much to ask of one person. None of us can do it alone. Neither can I. I can't do it alone. So where can we find a group of people who, who love Christ? Where can we find a group of people who, who can remind us when we forget to live for the day, that, that they can invite into our lives to, to trust that they will love us enough to call us out if we've forgotten. Where can we find a group of people? And I hope the answer is right here in his church among fellow Christians because that's what we're called to do. 
Yes, God has given us his spirit to dwell amongst us, but he's given us his church, his people, to be the bulwark, to stand against the forces of the night, to remind and encourage one another, to hold on, that, that giving, that, that serving and giving the, to the church is worth it because this is where the gospel, the saving gospel goes out. Remind one another this season during Christmas that the gospel is worth it, that God is worth your time, your, your passion, your energy. He's worth it. Please don't let your, 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 your relationship to God be just limited to one day of a week. Engage with God's community throughout the week. Let this Sunday morning's gatherings be the places where you get to know people, where you develop eternal friendships. Because that eternal life, that day, eternal day, is what truly matters. Again, we can't do this alone. But we are called to live for the day that comes and not for this world of night. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've promised that Christ will come again. And even as the people back then were, were meant to anticipate his first coming, but they fell asleep, help us, O oh Lord, not to do the same, but be vigilant. Help us, O oh Lord, to be faithful with what you've given us, what time, what money, what uh, relationships you have given us. Help us to be faithful that we can stand before you unashamed on that day. Help us, O oh Lord, not to be distracted by this world. If we've been entangled in sin, help us to turn away from it. Help us to, to turn to our brothers and sisters in Christ to be held accountable, to be to drawn out of it. And help us, O Lord, to not stop encouraging one another to be living for the day, even as it evermore draws near this Advent. We pray and ask all this in Jesus' name.